Well, this morning, just uh, looking forward to spending some time with you. And I don't know, is there anyone else here that's a little bit uh, revolting against this cold weather? I decided I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt today regardless. I don't care. I'm sticking with it. And so, uh, no, but grateful for the rain. I saw it's on the the schedule for tomorrow again. But uh, this morning, we're continuing in the book of Romans, actually, in the second uh, part of Romans 8, you can start flipping there if you don't mind. 8.12 is the verse we're going to start with. The end of our service, just so you can plan mentally, I'm giving a, a little bit of a church update at the end. Uh, according to our uh, bylaws I was reading, and it's required of me, and so we're going to do a little update at the end of the uh, service. Instead of calling you to a separate meeting, we're going to come just for a few minutes at the end so you can kind of mentally gauge for that uh, now. So, uh, but anyway, diving into our, our text this morning, I was thinking of a, a story that I, I heard of a guy that was showing up late to a, a movie theater, had arrived uh, late for the, uh, the movie because he was in the concession line, maybe you've done that before, and he was just loading up, buying all the supplies for the entire family. So he had the big tub of popcorn, he had the Slurpees in the multi-pack thing holding, he had all the the candy and all the fixings, and he comes walking into the, the theater, and it's pitch black, have you ever been in this position, and cannot find his family anywhere, he's, he's going, it's driving him crazy, he's going up and down the aisle, and finally, after a number of times up and down the aisle looking for his family, he finally blurts out in frustration, does anyone recognize me? Does anyone recognize me? It made me laugh just thinking of that predicament of just longing to be recognized. And really, if you think about our life in a sense, something that each one of us is wired with, a longing to be recognized, a longing to be known, a longing to be in relationship, that's what God's designed us for. He's created us to be in community, to know and be known Love when you look at how Jesus approached his life and his ministry. What did he do? He rallied around some really close friends, 12 in fact, and really did life with them for, for three and a half years, constantly eating together, doing life together. And I, I love the interaction in the Last Supper. You might remember Jesus' words to his disciples. He says, no longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends called you friends. Can you imagine the God in the flesh, the, the creator of, of all there talking to you and saying, you know what? I don't just con- consider you a servant. I consider you a, a friend. Can you imagine how that would have felt being told you're, you're a friend of Jesus Christ? Well, this morning, we have it go even a step further. As much as that was great news then, it gets even better For those of us who are in Christ, there's a new level of intimacy that's seen in our text this morning. We're actually not just called friends, we're called family. We're called family. I'm not talking about the broken, dysfunctional uh, families many of us have known. I'm talking about a dynamic, healthy, loving family with an amazing father that loves to spoil his kids. Let me pray as we dive in. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your word this morning. Thank you for so how much truth is packed into this book of Romans and how each section I come to is more encouraging and more relevant and speaks so uh, directly to our, our current world situation. 
thank you for this word this morning. I thank you for the hope and the, the joy and the delight of being a child of God. I pray that that would really resonate with us this morning, that that would sink in and, and, and cover over the, the stresses and, and difficulties that we might be in the thick of knowing that we're a child of the King. We ask now that you'd speak through this text. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. So looking at chapter 8 and verse 12, if you don't mind turning there with me, so we can do this together, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Stop there for a, a moment. If you are like me, you may have noticed that adult life is full of obligations. Anybody else notice that? There's, there's a lot of obligations, whether it's work, whether it's deadlines, whether it's bills, whether it's debts, whether it's family. Like Our life is packed with obligation. Anybody else feel the, the weight of that on a regular basis? I remember back when you're a, a kid and you're like, oh, so nice as a child. You just run around and do whatever you want, whenever you want. There's, there's no real obligation, but now as adults, and you're like, thanks for bringing that up. It made me think about all the things I have to do this week. But as adults, because of that fact, because of the wide scope of our obligations, we're very careful not to share our time and energy with things that we're not committed to, right? Very careful. We're like, hey, I have these obligations. If it's not an obligation, I have an obligation I have to really weigh and consider whether or not I'm going to partake. Anybody living at a pace like that right now where you're just like, hey, if it's not on the obligation list, it ain't happening. Well, well here's an important thing that we see in the text this morning, that, that we don't have any obligation to the old flesh. We, we don't owe it anything is what he's saying. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh. There's not obligation to go back just because that's all you've known up until this point doesn't mean that you owe it as a Christ follower anything. It's done nothing for you. It's only lied and deceived you time and time again. You don't owe it anything. You don't owe it going back to it. In fact, considering all that's been done to set us free, it doesn't make sense, even logically, to even be drawn to go back to the old way of doing things. You're like, why, why would I even go back there? Like that he, he hints at this idea that, because really there's only two options. You're either living in the flesh, the old way, or you're living by the Holy Spirit's direction in your life. He's, saying, he's basically saying, hey, you're not a debtor to the old flesh. So in a sense, because he's saying you are a debtor, we are debtors, then what is it pointing to? We must be a debtor to what? The Spirit. A debtor to the Spirit. Where, hey, we're obligated to live according to this new Spirit that's been set inside of us. And say, man, that, the freedom that comes to that. So what do we, how, how do we know if we're living in the Spirit or in the flesh? How do you know if you're living in the, the flesh? A lot of times our perception of living the flesh is kind of the extreme pictures we see in our in the media when we come to th this mind of someone drunk laying in a corner maybe at a at a at a strip club or i mean just the broken depravity that we see in our our, our culture that's a lot of times what we associate with oh that's that's living in the flesh 
But really, I'd propose that the more normal picture of living in the flesh, the more common in our culture, is really just a self-consumed, indulgent existence. That's living in the flesh. Self-consumed, indulgent existence where everything just revolves around me. Everything resolves around what I want to do, what I feel like doing, what I think is going to satisfy me, what I think is going to make me happy. That, my friends, is living in the flesh, as opposed to walking in the Spirit. We hear that expression a lot, in the Spirit. The idea of in the Spirit actually means in step with. In step with. If you've ever walked next to somebody and tried to match your step with their step, it's kind of a cool uh, task to try to do. That's the picture that it's saying. We're walking in step where he goes, I go. If he goes, if he leads this way, that's where I'm heading. That's the description of walking in the spirit. So, in step, the question he says is, what am I obligated to? It says you're not obligated to, to walk in the flesh anymore. You're obligated to walk in the spirit. So my question, since we've addressed what we're obligated to, is does my life actually reflect this obligation? When I look at my life, when I set it down, when I assess it, can I say, yes, like, look, look at my life and the way it's scheduled, yes, it aligns with this obligation. Yes, I have a, a ministry mindset. Yes, I have a, a heart for the loss. Yes, I, I'm using my spiritual gifts within the church. Yes, I have time carved out to deepen my relationship with Christ. Yes, to all these things. There's, there's some things, if you're obligated to walk in the Spirit, there's some things that have to be cut out. There's some adjustments that have to be made. You see that in verse 13. Some old things, some things that need to actually die. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Caught my attention there, the idea of putting to death, that's a, used in the present tense, the idea of something that you're doing ongoing. In order to, to live in the Spirit by His leading, there's some things that are required or are expected of us as believers to be put to death. Those words aren't exactly soft, tender words, are they? You must murder it. That's a, you're like, wait a second, this is pretty intense. But the idea, idea here is to relentlessly kill our sinful nature. And let me be clear here, that's not a one-time event. Anybody notice that in your life? That it's not like, okay, I, I took care of that, that's done, and, and now I can move on to the next thing. No, they seem to pop out up. You know, remember the carnival game with the heads popping up, the little uh, monsters, and you're hitting them, hitting them, hitting them. That's kind of, a, in a sense, of what that is describing. It's an ongoing, relentlessly killing the old self. But the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times the old self are like, yeah, but... I don't really necessarily want that to die. Kind of like some of the, the pet sins that come up every once in a while. I, I like to joke about how that's just who I am or how I operate or, 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 or it's because I'm Italian or, or whatever the excuse is that we use for our behavior. Sorry, I just snuck that one in. Uh, uh, whatever we use our excuse is. But the truth is, 
We can't give sin one inch of room because what we see in the text here, because it's committed to killing you. It's committed to killing you. So you can't play with it. It's not like a pet that you can keep control over and reign and be like, you know what, I, I think I'll be all right with this apex predator in my life. I've mentioned before I watched this show called I Was Bitten on uh, Netflix. I don't know if you've ever seen this show. It's to different accounts. Maybe one person has. I don't know why I watch this. But it's accounts of people that have been attacked by different wild animals and how they've survived. And so this one particular episode was of this uh, fancy dinner party. A group of people were at this dinner party, and the highlight of the dinner party is they had on display these different cages with all the world's big cats. So one has a lion in it, one has a cougar in it, one has a, a, a tiger, different kinds of tigers. Well, as they're walking around observing, a group of ladies comes to this one particular cage and they say, oh, let's see this tiger. I heard it's, I heard it's uh, awesome, awesome to see. They come and they realize that the, that the cleaning person had literally left the cage door open. So it's this lady there with her friends, and their friends are hiding behind her. She's standing there face to face with us. I don't know how much a tiger weighs, but they're massive animals. Standing there, and, and guess what happened? It attacked her. It, it totally tacked her. It, it tackled this woman, and, and, and she's getting, she, she's in rough predicament. It's reenacted, so it's not as violent. But, but, but the security guard, here's the, the security guard, here's all the chaos, and he comes with his gun. He's like, I'm going to solve this. And guess what he does? He, he takes a shot at the tiger, misses, and hits the woman. You're like, man, talk about a bad day getting worse. And, and you, watch the, well, you watch these episodes, she survived and is there telling the account of the story. I imagine uh, doesn't go to zoos very often after that. But, uh, but you, you, you hear accounts like that, and a lot of times people are like, whoa, I can't believe the tiger attacked her. You're like, uh, that's what apex predators do. They attack things and try to kill them. And that's, that, that's, the, that's the same idea here. I, I love Matt Chandler says, we wrongly treat our sin like a little pet under our control. Then we're shocked when it turns on us. We're shocked when it turns on us. Isn't that how sin is as well? Like, wait, wait a second. This is something that I, I, I had some rain on. I had control over it. You know, it only came out of the closet every once in a while. No, no. What he's saying here in the text, is that we have to put it to death because it's intent on killing us. A lot of times we're just like, you know what, it sounds like it's a lot easier to just give up and just let go of this fight and just, you know, it's this uphill climb and maybe sin's not so bad afterwards. But again, realizing that we can't even trust our minds on this. Remember, our minds are part of the enemy, and that's where we have to keep on washing ourselves with the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about sin? It says that it's intent on killing us. A lot of times we read terms like, oh, it's intent on killing on us, and we think of it just in a spiritual sense. You're like, yeah, I get it at the end. Apart from Christ, we die, and that's, uh, there's death there. Yeah, I get that. But I would propose that sin doesn't just kill us spiritually, we see all throughout Scripture that it kills us presently as well. Do your, do your own field study on this. Start to explore people 
that are living and indulging in the flesh, doing whatever wherever their deceitful heart takes them, and ask the question, how are they doing with that? How's that, how's that going? Are they content? Are they, are they fulfilled? Or do, do your own case study. I saw a clip, I didn't actually see the award show, but this clip uh, caught my attention on Facebook this last week. I, I wanted to show it to you. It's uh, from the Golden Globes, and it's Jim Carrey talking about this pursuit of finding fulfillment and meaning in the things of this world. Take a, take a quick peek at this if you haven't seen this video already. Thank you. I am two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir. I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning <laughs> actor Jim Carrey. Because then I would be enough. It would finally be true. And I could stop this, this terrible search. For what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. But these are important, these awards. <laughs> I don't want you to think that just because if you blew up our solar system alone, you wouldn't be able to find us or any of human history with the naked eye. But from our perspective, this is huge. <laughs> One more time, here are the nominees for Best Motion Picture Comedy. <laughs> it, uh, it made me smile because you notice the audience, they're, they're kind of like, yeah, this is funny, but wait a second, there's some, some truth in that too, right? There, there's some truth in that. Wait a second, I, I, if I actually stop long enough to think about this, I actually slow down and think of the, the pursuits of the flesh and the things that the world says, man, if I just had that, if I just had that success, if I just had that notoriety, if I, if I, if I just had that, that third golden globe that cracked me up when he said that, if I just had that, then I would be fulfilled. So do your own case study. Seek on, on the other side. See if it doesn't just lead to what scripture says is death, death. It's a, it's a meaningless pursuit. Isn't that what, what, what Solomon came to the conclusion? So the alternative to break away, to break out of this crazy cycle is to live by the Spirit. It says that's how you experience life. It says says that's, that's how you are fulfilled. That's how you're satisfied in this existence. It's not by living in the flesh, because why? That only leads to death. A lot of us say, I, I don't know how I, I got where I'm at right now, man. I don't know where, how I landed here. I don't know how. Well, well, I would propose 
didn't get there following the Holy Spirit. We didn't get there. The places He wants to take us are full of life and fulfillment. It's an awesome reality. See also here as He continues, pointing towards man, why would you live in the flesh? It says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God, remember it just said we experience life, are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We started our time together talking about this reality, but it's important that that simmers and sets in a little bit to understand the audience that he was writing to at the time in the Roman culture the father, the father actually had the freedom to create his own family. If it didn't look like he had an heir to continue his family line, he might consider actually adopting his son. And if he did choose to go the route of adoption, it wasn't like a, oh, this is kind of you're partially in, you're kind of a second class citizen within the family. No, you were part of the family. Any benefit, any, any privilege, anything positive that was part of being a natural born son, you were able to embrace. So that's the audience that he's talking to. Even if a son was born after the adopted son, the adopted son still kept his inheritance. So th- this was not a partial thing. It's similar to us that as adopted children, we're of equal status. It's an awesome reality. I, I love the, the story of a, a Sunday school teacher who was registering children and asked two brothers their age and birthday. One said, we're both seven. My birthday is April 8th, 2004. And my brother's birthday is April 20th, 2004. The teacher was a, a little confused and said, but that's impossible. The other brother said, no, it's not. One of us is adopted. Without thinking, the teacher said, well, which one? Awkwardly. The boys looked at each other and smiled. Then one of them said, we asked Dad that a while ago, but he, said, but he just said he loved us, and he couldn't remember which one was adopted. Isn't that awesome? Awesome picture of the reality of us as, as children of, of God. It's not, a, it's not a partial thing. It's saying it, the Holy Spirit testifies that we're no longer a slave. We're embraced fully, not partially as like, ah, eh, you're kind of an outsider in, but fully embraced as a child of God. A lot of us are like, man, but sometimes I don't feel like that. I don't, I don't feel that. But the truth is whether we recognize it or not, If we've embraced Jesus Christ as our Savior, this transaction has occurred. Love what Rick Warren says. It says, I am not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am, but I really am who God says I am. Again, I'm not who I think I am. I'm not who you think I am, but I really am who God says I am. And God says, you're adopted, you're an adopted child of His. I think this is an important thing for us to, to reflect on and to let that marinate. And what I love is the thing that you usually associate, the be- most beautiful part of adoption that you usually associate to is like, man, what's so cool as you hear adoption stories is the potential for relationship. 
when you see those new parents that have embraced that child and you're like, man, it's so cool. They're, they're, they're getting to bask and experience all the same things that a child that's naturally born would experience. There's intimacy there. That's what, he, that's what he points to in this section of Scripture, too. This isn't just a, hey, by, by, on paper only. He says, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Abba, Father is an interesting description, because do you guys remember that ever used before in Scripture? Those are the same terms, that's the same expression or name that Jesus gave to the Father himself. He described him as Abba, Father. It's a, a term of intimacy, much like saying daddy. Daddy. I don't know if you you've have, have kids or had kids at the stage where it's, it, it just does your, your heart good when they're like, come to you and they're like, daddy, can you? And you're like, okay, my little Sienna asked me for stuff. She's like, daddy, can I please get this video game? Yes, you can. And uh, you, you, there's, there's something about being called daddy and there's something about that. It was such a shocking thought to the audience at that time when they read it, they never even bothered. Do you notice this in scripture? They never even bothered to translate it into English. It, it, it was a term that was such a big deal that it, that it stuck. It was just like, man, we're not changing a single thing about that. We're sticking with that. That is really good news as daddy. Just knowing him as daddy. That's the potential relationship that we have as an adopted child. Some of us here this morning need to cry out, Abba, Father, selves. Maybe you're, you're here and your bones are a little bit dry and you're just feeling like just kind of stale in life and, and, and you need to be reminded that that potential for that intimacy is there. You just have to partake. It, it's there. It's a reality. It's, it, it's part of our existence as a child of God. We need to partake. He continues more than just saying, hey, he's a, a relationship, but also an, a, an inheritance that's coming. Verse 17, and if children that heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What is an heir? I think you all know the definition of an heir. It's the, someone that has the rights to someone else's property once they've died. After Christ died and rose again, it's interesting to think of it in this context. He actually reclaimed what was formerly, formerly his. But the interesting piece that we see here is that he chose to include us in his inheritance. He chose to include us in his inheritance. And what does it say? Heirs of what? It's heirs of God. That's interesting description there of what heirs of God. He's the most important thing that we get in this transaction. We have full access to God the Father. That's part of our inheritance. And then, and then it goes on to say that we're also going to be glorified with Christ as co-heirs with Christ. Allow, allow that to sink in. What, what do you mean uh, as fellow heirs with Christ? fellow heirs. It might not be saying that we get everything that Christ does, but I'll tell you what, being having your name on the, the same, it makes me think of a, a joint account in banking. You, you think of a joint account in banking, you're like, if I get even part of what he's getting, like it's going to be a, a good thing. Makes me think of a, a story I've, I've read before. I was pointed to it this week from a friend. You may have heard it before. 
story of a very wealthy man with this huge collection of priceless paintings. He only had one son who appeared to have, who happened to have a heart for the poor. The son used to go into the city streets and would often talk to the same homeless man. One day, the homeless man gave this young man a portrait he'd painted of him. The father, when he brought it home, was not impressed with the quality of it, but he still chose to, to hang the crude painting in his collection since it was of his only son. Many years went by and the young man stopped visiting the homeless man. The homeless man finally went to the gates of the palace to inquire what had happened to him. The palace guards explained, well, he actually, he died suddenly. The homeless man was broken to hear the news. Some years later, the father suddenly passed away as well, and the beggar heard about it. He also heard that all the art in the palace was going to be auctioned off, so he asked if he could go in. Connoisseurs had gathered a bid on the amazing paintings. There in the middle of the collection was the painting of his son, done by the homeless man, was not very good at all. The auctioneer said, we're going to have an auction, but the first painting to go is the one of the young lad here, and then we'll proceed with the rest. The group said, we're not interested in it. Get on with the auction. He said, no, no, we must begin with this piece, but nobody bid. So the beggar, sitting there, put his hands in his pocket, found a few coins, and said, I want to bid on the young man's painting. Nobody else competed for the few pennies, and the gavel sounded, and he got the son's portrait. As the homeless man took it and was about to leave, the gavel sounded again, and the auctioneer said, I have some news for you all. Behind the painting of this young man's are the words, Whoever bids on the, this painting gets the whole gallery. He who got the son got everything that the father had to give. Love that picture, this idea of when we get the son, we get the whole thing. That is the inheritance. He is the inheritance. Why, why wouldn't we enjoy and bask in that some is to come, but some is just for the here and now to experience and enjoy the benefits of being related. I was thinking along this idea of a, of a shared account. Like, what would that be like to have an ATM, Bill Gates' ATM card? You know what I mean? Like, what would that, that be like? That's the picture that it's painted here. I, I had the, the privilege, uh, Linda Leahy, who attends here at church, took a, a group of, uh, of friends. I got to be in the, the list to go to uh, this week on a tour of Jay Leno's garage. I'm a, I'm a big car fan, and uh, we got to explore around and walk, walk around. At the same time that we were going in, Jay Leno actually showed up. We got to talk with him a, a little bit and uh, got to see this whole list of 125,000 square foot garage. Not bad, right? And uh, he had a collection of 135 cars, 100 and something motorcycles, and we got a description of each particular car. And you're thinking, uh, as you're walking down the, the rows of these vehicles, I'm like, oh man, what would that be like to be Jay Leno's kid? You know, the, the workers, it didn't seem, they seemed a little scared of him. But what would it be like to, to be Jay Leno's kid? And like every single one of them, one of the unique things about his garage is so he has access to drive them, he keeps the, the car keys sitting in each one of them. So he doesn't have to go figure it out. He just hops in and decides to drive off and whichever one for that, for that day. And I was thinking about what it's like when you have a father that has everything. Now, obviously, that's a tainted picture uh, of, of silly stuff here on earth. But imagine for us, when it describes an inheritance, what does it look like when you have a dad 
that has everything. And he's saying, listen, I've included you in this. I'll tell you what, it changes your perspective, I would say, on just about everything. It changes your perspective on trial. It changes your perspective on what, what, what I should be pursuing. It changes my perspective on, on my attitude about things. What does he say? So, so what is the, the fine print? What's the, the negative side? I, it's always fascinating as you watch these drug commercials. And now, uh, for some reason, I feel like the, the, the negative list is longer than the benefit list. Do you guys notice that too? You're like, okay, the first 20 seconds says what it does good, and then the next like three minutes is a list of all the, the things it does to you. And, uh, and, and so I was thinking about, well, what is the, what's in the fine print? You catch at the very end at first glance what might be seen as negative. It says, it says provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You see that word, and you're like, oh, shoot, I knew there was something. This couldn't be, couldn't be that good. It couldn't just be the inheritance. It had to have the, the suffering piece. At first glance, you might think that's actually a bad thing. But what if it's actually not? Philippians 3.10 tells us that in our suffering, we actually get to know Him better. In our suffering, we actually get to, through, through experiencing difficult times together, that's how we get to know Him even better. So when you start to think about that, you're just like, oh, even the bad stuff is good. Start to, that changes your perspective on even the, the difficult things. You're like, man, even this, if I'm walking in the Spirit, remember that part, walking with Him in step, going when He steps, I step. When we start doing that with it, even the bad is good. I love that picture from Scripture. The other aspect of that is that nothing compares, in, in comparison to the difficulties that we, that we are going through here, nothing compares to what's on the other end of the line. I'm going to close with this last story. 1976, Olympic, in the Olympics in Montreal, a Japanese gymnast, Shun Fujimoto, I probably butchered that name, competed in team competition. In the floor exercises, he actually broke his knee. Next day, one, he had one event left, and his, it happened to be his strongest. It was the rings. At the, the, whole, the whole thing, he did a fantastic job, but at the end, he had a, a, the dismount, which was looming. Everybody knowing that, oh man, he's going he's gonna to have to land on that knee that was broken. I don't know what it's like to break a knee, but I imagine not a good thing. But without hesitation, he does a triple somersault, landing perfectly on his knee. Naz, yeah, I'm perfectly on his legs, standing. And afterwards, a reporter was asking, what in, the, what in the world was that like? What was that experience like? He described, he says, he said, pain shot through me like a knife. It brought tears to my eyes. And this is interesting what he said, though. But now I have a gold medal, and the pain is gone. I thought that was, that was interesting. That was, his, that was his conclusion after all that. He's like, yeah, that, that was terrible to go through that. Like in some of us in our life situation right now, you're just like, man, all I see in the middle of this is the shooting pain up my leg. All, all, I, all I have is just from one difficulty to the next, but what we keep coming back to in Scripture, I can't even tell you how many times in, in this, this same spot as I stand here, we come to that same conclusion. Paul keeps on pointing us to, listen, it's tough 
It's going to be difficult, but at the end of the line, the inheritance is going to make it all pale in comparison, right? Let's allow this to sink in this week. Allow our inheritance, the reality of that, allow the fact that we're children of God, allow that to sink in. Let me pray for us as we conclude. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this truth of your word of being adopted children, ones that can call out Abba Father, the intimacy potential is there. Pray that we take advantage of that, that we'd enjoy that. Thank you so much for your kindness and grace to us that allows for that to happen. God, we thank you this morning. We ask that we'd live with that in light, that that would shape, that that would be the filter that everything else runs through. Thank you, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.